born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. Turn in your Bible to the book of Galatians, the book of Galatians, and turn to chapter 3, chapter 3. Because we're going to look at a few things that are mentioned in these verses. In Galatians in chapter 3, look there, we'll start in verse 19. In verse 19, of course, we'll be covering some other verses in this chapter. And I try to put uh, more notes down than what we'll be able to cover so that when somebody wants to sit down and study, they can get a little bit more information. And there's other scripture references they can study a little bit more in depth. But uh, you can't teach everything that you know at, at one time. It would be wonderful, it would be good, but uh, uh, only the Lord can do that. So um, I'm very limited. But here in Galatians in chapter 3, I want us to read from verse 19 to verse 29, because these are the major portion of the scriptures that we'll look at tonight. In verse 19, wherefore then serveth the law? Isn't that a good question? Wherefore then serveth the law? What's the purpose of it? It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. So it was added, and it was added for a reason, because of uh, transgressions, so that people would know when they have broken the law. When God has his standard of righteousness, everybody might think they can save themselves. So God says for all those people who want to work their way to heaven, all you got to do is just be perfect. Now, how are you doing? And so he says that the law that was added did not disannul the promise that God had made before he gave the law to Moses. So he had already told Abraham 430 years before that a promise that God would justify the heathen by faith and faith alone. So he couldn't have made the promise to them that they would be saved by the law because 430 years before the law... He told them that the heathen would be justified by faith alone. So the law was given not to annul the promise, but that people could see they need a Savior and they can't save themselves. So anyway, he goes on through here and he says there, and it was ordained by angels in the hands of a mediator. Now a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one because God made a covenant with Abraham based only upon himself. Since he couldn't think of anybody higher and more powerful than himself, and that he, uh, he cannot lie, uh, well, he can make a covenant. But then that's called an unconditional covenant because it's not conditioned upon what somebody else does. This is what he's going to do. Now, a conditional covenant means it's based upon what 
You and I do. So if there had been a law given whereby we could have received righteousness, well, then that's the way it should have been. In other words, if a man can earn eternal life, then that's the way it should be. So you look there in verse 21. Is the law then against the promises of God? If God promised he's going to save a man by faith, then why did he give the law? So that man would not trust in his works, and he would trust in what Christ did. So he'd be saved by faith, not by his performance. And that's contrary to human nature. We always got to do something. You can't tell me eternal life, going to heaven and living with the Lord for eternity is free, totally free. Yeah, but what, what if God walked in this room right now and he told you, hey, it's free? Well, Lord, who do you think you are? You, who, who gave you the right? I mean, he made heaven, he made hell, and he made us, and he says it's free. Yeah, he can't mean that. He has to mean something else. So we have all the experts out there trying to tell us God didn't mean what he said. You do have to earn it. You do have to be good enough to go to heaven. And we know that all bad people ought to go to hell. Of course, they're never the bad person. It's always somebody else. It's their mother-in-law. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Now look what he says here in verse 19, the last part of it. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. But there wasn't one. God never even said if you keep the law, you get to go to heaven. Where is that verse found in the Bible? It's not in there. But the scriptures, verse 22, hath concluded all understand that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, kept up or shut up unto the faith which should afterward be revealed. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we're no longer under a schoolmaster. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Now, a lot of people like to stop right there. For all, we're all the children of God, and they stop right there. No, God, he's the God of everybody, but not everybody's father. He's not your father until you're born into his family. And then verse 28, for there is neither Jew nor Greek, neither bond nor free, neither is there male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So God had made a promise. Now hold your place right there and just look there in verse 8 of chapter 3. And you'll notice in verse 8, And the scripture, talk about the Old Testament, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through what? Faith. Preached before the gospel unto Abraham. So the gospel... And being justified by faith must have some kind of connection together. So if you're going to preach the gospel, then you'll have to talk about being justified by faith. Now, without the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, there's no foundation on which to base your confidence in. The reason I can say I am justified by my faith in what Christ did, well, what did Christ do? Well, who is he? What did he do? What did he say? So he paid for all my sins. And he said, all I had to do was believe he did it for me. And then I could have this a free gift, everlasting life. So this heathen was justified, declared righteous by my faith in what Christ did. And that's how simple it is. But nobody likes it being that simple, so they try to make it hard. But then they accuse us of being easy believism. Easy believism. Well, if he said go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, that means even little children should be able to understand it. So 
Child, would you like to be saved? Yes. What have I got to do? Believe in Christ. Oh, that's too easy. Believe hard. How do you believe hard? And so he says in verse 9, So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. And that's what he's saying in verse 29 of chapter 3. When you have accepted Christ as your Savior, believing that He died and paid for your sins, He gives you as a free gift everlasting life, and you become Abraham's seed. It's a spiritual seed. And heirs according to the promise that what God made to Abraham, that a man would be saved or justified by faith. Now, let's take a look at your notes. We're going to talk about what we just read. But you look there in verse 21 in your notes there. So is the law against the promises? Paul is saying a question that they might be thinking. Namely, does the law contradict the promise? It doesn't contradict. But the promise was what God made to Abraham that, and now we're not talking about Abraham Lincoln now. We're talking about further back than that. I'm sure you all knew that. So we're going all the way back. The father of the nation of Israel. And so God had made a promise to him. Took him out one night in the book of Genesis in chapter 15. And he says, count the stars. And he says, your seed is going to be more than the stars of heaven. Another place than the sands upon the sea. That's an awful lot. I wouldn't want to try to count how many grains of sand is upon a beach. Would you like that job? Whew. But anyway, look at the notion. The promise was to life, not death which was the law. You see, a man cannot be saved by the law because God says you're going to be saved by faith. And so the law then would contradict the promise if it overrode the promise. So then why did God bring the law along? Because he had given the promise. 450 years later, God gave the law. Well, see, the law was given so that every man would know you can't save yourself by your works. Because here's the righteousness of the law. And so along with the law God gave. Well if you break the law and the wages of sin is death. Then well everybody have to die right off the bat. And there's nobody left. So God says you can have these sacrifices you can make. The sacrifices was an innocent animal. A bird whatever. That would take the place of the person. So that everybody doesn't die. So an innocent animal died. But it was always looking forward to the day that there would be a lamb that would take away the sin of the world. And so in the Old Testament, it was all the time they had to keep making these sacrifices. What God says is going to be the Christ, the Messiah is going to come, and he will be a payment for the sins of the world once and for all. You don't have to do it all the time doing these sacrifices. One time. So that was in the future. And of course, that's a reference to Jesus Christ. So the law was to bring us to Christ. That's in the little highlighted section there. You can see that. In John 6, 28 and 29, what shall we do to do the works of God? That was their question. Believe on whom he sins. Sadly, we see in the following verses that they would not believe. He, they asked the right question. He gave the right answer. But they couldn't believe it. Because we're, we're already Abraham's children. We are the seed of Abraham. He's our father. He says, if you really knew him, you'd know who I am. And he says, you don't know who I am. You don't know my father. He says, you are of the devil. 
He was a liar from the beginning, and so are you. Uh, Jesus was a, a hard individual. Now, he showed compassion when he wanted to show compassion, but I believe Jesus was a man's man. I don't believe he was no sissy. When it talks about him being a carpenter's son, uh, that wasn't always because they had trees everywhere and they were making everything out of wood. No, most of them were stonemasons, and they were building out of stone. So I don't think he was no long-haired hippie, you know, little sissified individual. I think he was a man's man. But anyway, as we're moving right along, look at number two, verse 22. The promise is given to those that believe. Believe comes first. See that in verse 22? But the scripture hath concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. Some people see say that God has to save you and regenerate you so that you can believe. In other words, God saves you before you believe. That's in some parts of Calvinism. No, that is not the gospel. Belief comes first who believed in Christ. In the book of Ephesians chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. But now notice this. The curse, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. So we're all souls. And uh, I got two souls, two feet. Oh, well, anyway. But the soul that sinneth shall die. And since everybody sins, everybody dies. So that's how we know that we are not perfect. Because if we were perfect, we wouldn't have to die. Jesus did not have to die because he was perfect. He committed no sin. There was no law against anything that he'd ever said or did. Because he was perfect and he kept the law perfectly. He lived a righteous life. But he voluntarily chose to die for us in our place. Now look at this. The word curse means execration, which means the object of abomination. The root word means to hate or curse. So sin, all sin is an abomination to God. And so we judge sin incrementally, but to God all sin is an abomination. God will not allow one sin into heaven no more than he would allow one sin in the garden. How many sins did Adam and Eve have to commit before they got kicked out? One sin. It's appointed unto every man once to die, and after this the judgment. So everybody sins and everybody's going to die. And so God says, he gave the law. Look at number two. Therefore the sinner is an abomination to God. And yet while we were still in this state, God loved us and sent his son to die for us. That the only way God could do it was to make his own son into the object of abomination. The curse of the law. Because remember, cursed is everyone that hangeth upon a tree. And we were all under the dominion of the law, and the law condemns everything that's not perfect. So the law is not a blessing, the law is a curse. In other words, I used to drive down this street, and there was no stop sign, so I never had to stop, didn't have to worry about the police. I could just pew, right on through it. But when they put a stop sign up there, now I got to stop. But I would rather not have a stop sign so I can just keep on going. Put the stop sign on the other side so that everybody else has to stop except me. Always just for me. But it don't work that way. It works the same for every person. And all have broken God's law. So number three there, it produces the mental anguish because there is guilt. And we don't like being guilty. 
This is why there's some people today in our society who like to um, change the laws and make their sin justifiable so they don't feel so bad. And then make laws where you have to love them and not hate their sin. Because, see, that's what's going on in our society. If you are against abortion, well, see, thou shalt not kill. Well, what is abortion? Thou art killing. Well, let's don't make it a sin. And let's just don't make a law against it so it's not that bad now. See, everybody accepts it now. See, it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing. God hasn't changed his word, and he hasn't changed his mind. And what was uh, wrong then, and the Bible says in the book of Job, God hath granted us life. So the right to life comes from God. Now, whether you talk about the homosexuals today, men with men, women with women, is it right or wrong? Well, according to the Bible, it's wrong. It is an abomination. It is wicked. It is sinful. And so whenever you know what the Word of God says, you just go by what God says, and you know the, the answer to most of the problems that we live in this world. This is what Paul meant when he says, I was alive once without the law of God, but when the commandment came, the realization that I needed to be as righteous as God, sin revived, and I died. I saw the abomination that I was. And if a person looks at the Bible and realizes that God is perfect, heaven is perfect, and I need to be perfect to go there, I got a problem. I'm not qualified to go to heaven. I had a lady one time, she just smart mouth me, and she says, you trying to tell me I'm not good enough? I said, man, that's exactly what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> you are not good enough to go to heaven. And so, uh, anyway, she never came back to church. I guess I told the lie to her. Tell her, no, you, no ma'am, you're, you're fit to go. You're good to go. <laughs> but she wasn't. Look at the next statement. The blessing of Abraham, that God's righteousness can be imputed to anyone by believing what God says. That's the purpose of the gospel. This is the blessing that came from Abraham that everybody can have, and everybody wants to be blessed. Have you ever seen these shows where they have, it's always the father. He's always Catholic. But anyway, they always have, you know, I forgive you, my son. And here's some old man, and here's this young kid. He said, I forgive you, my son. You ain't my father, and I'm not your son. <laughs> anyway, I've never asked him to do anything for me. And I don't have respect for other people's religion. I've had a person say, don't you have respect for other people's belief? None. If it's wrong, it's wrong. Since when my poser show respect for other people's error? Well, it's, it's possible, you know, it's, it's wrong, but, 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 but it might be right. No, if God says it's free and you say it's by works, you're wrong. And I don't change that, and I don't alter that. Look at the next statement. The covenant of promise. The unconditional covenant made to Abraham by God that his seed would be more numerous than the stars of heaven. God would give him the land of Canaan and through him the Messiah would come and that there someday there was going to be a, a new covenant. Uh, this new covenant is going to be where there's a, the new birth. It's uh, by grace alone. And uh, so even though individuals trusted Christ as Savior, but dispensationally speaking, you had the promise, you had the law, you had Christ, and you have grace, different dispensations. Now, as an individual, I can say that when I was born into this world, I was under the law. And I heard about Christ. And I was saved by grace. So the purpose of the law was to bring me to the cross. And then when I came to the cross, I received 
Mercy and grace. Mercy, I didn't get what I deserve, which is hell. But grace, I got so much more that I did not deserve. See, I deserve to go to hell, but I, I didn't get to go. That's mercy. But by grace, I get to go to heaven when I die. I'll, I'm justified because I put my faith in Jesus Christ. And this is what he's talking about here. Now, if you look at number four, there's a statement after letter A. The last line, if you serve me, I will bless you or curse you if you don't. In other words, after you have trusted Christ as your Savior, remember this. You can have God's blessings on your life, or you can have God put a curse upon your life, or to chasten you, discipline you, correct you. And if you don't want God to correct you, correct yourself. We call that being grown up, accepting responsibility, being disciplined, where you have self-control. Because if you can't control yourself, then somebody's going to have to impose discipline on you. And so that's why as you learn the Word of God, you learn there's things to do, there's things not to do. And if you'll correct it yourself, you don't have to have somebody always telling you, hey, you're wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. Why don't you do this, this, and this, and this? Don't you just hate it when somebody always trying to tell you what you can and cannot do? Well, then straighten up and do it yourself. And then other people wouldn't have to. But we have the responsibility. Look at page two. Top of the page here, there is to be a proper motivation for obedience. Why should I serve God? And if I can have the proper understanding that I want God's blessings upon my life. Now, I've been blessed with eternal security, blessed with eternal life. I'm blessed because I'm a child of God. And as a child of God, then I inherit what my father has. So there's an inheritance there. So, like, for example, Hagar in the Old Testament, Abraham had gotten her as a handmaid for his wife, and uh, she came out of Egypt, but she was a bond slave. And so her child was a slave. But Sarah, well, she wasn't a slave. She was a free woman, so she had a son. And, well, God says he gets the inheritance. And that was Isaac. So because of Abraham and these two women had two children, but one could not inherit anything. That's the type of the flesh made of the law, bondage. But when you trust Christ as Savior, that's type of uh, a child, which is a by faith child because he was born to parents that were really old. They were old when he was 75, and then, lo and behold, he was born when he was 100 years old. And Sarah was 90 years old. How would you like to have a child when you're 90 years old? I don't answer that. Can you imagine raising a kid at that age? Like this year, one couple, they had a neighbor come over to see him. And says, uh, we, we heard that you uh, adopted a little baby. Yeah, he said, I, I, we're, we're really old. We wanted to do it when we were younger, but it just didn't work out. So now that we've gotten up in age and there's nothing for us to do, so we, we finally you know, got us a little, little child. And says, well, can we see the little child? Says, uh, yeah, in, in a little bit. So they sit and they talk for a while and drink some coffee and says, well, can we see the baby now? Uh, yeah, just as soon as we can remember where we put him. So anyway, now some of y'all appreciate good stuff. You know? And then there's others that say, what happened? What, what happened? What happened? All right, look at letter C. Letter C, this new covenant puts the law within their minds, which is referring to the Holy Spirit, 
Paul referred to the same effect in Romans in chapter 7. With the mind, I myself serve the law of God. The way you think and the motivation for what you do. But the proper motivation for us is to serve the Lord because we love the Lord. You see, because there's some people think that you've got to serve God to, to make it to heaven or he'll take it away from you. No, that means you'll serve God because of fear of him kicking you out and you'll still go to hell in the future. But since I know that I can't go to hell, I am in love with the Lord for loving me so much that I want to serve the Lord and I want to please the Lord. Is there anything wrong with me wanting to serve the Lord? What if I do it because I want to? That's why I've told people, I said, you know, you can trust Christ as your Savior and live as you please. (laughs) I said, but what if I want to please the Lord? What if I want to go to church because I want to please the Lord? What if I give because I want to please the Lord? What if I go to church because I want to give? What if I go to church because I want to? What if I witness because I want? Is there anything wrong in serving God because you love Him? Because you want to? Not because I have to. Which one do you think works better? To do it because you love Him because you have to. Well, this is what he's talking about. The Holy Spirit living within you can create... That's why the Bible says in the book of Romans, in chapter 5, he talks about uh, the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. And so that means there's love there. And if you'll learn to study the Word of God and grow and you fall in love with the Lord, you want to do more and more you can for the Lord. Look down at letter E. Letter E, the inheritance. The inheritance is the fulfilled promise of the Abrahamic covenant. There's a human perspective And there is a divine or biblical perspective of inheritance. Number one, a human perspective of inheritance. An inheritance gives full rights and benefits to the inheritor. An inheritance can transfer the position and authority. An inheritance can give full ownership. In other words, if I had a T-model, that goes back a few years. But if I had an old T-model and I died, I could leave that to my grandson. Now, one of them would just go ape over it. Michael, he'd love that. But see, he becomes the new owner of what I had. So I can leave this one this, and I can leave this one this. Now, some of y'all may have millions of dollars, and whenever you die, you're going to leave it all to me. <laughs> no. You're going to leave it to somebody you know and love and think, well, uh, be, you know, appreciate it. And so that's, that's good. But you can have an inheritance. Well, God says these that are born of faith become his children, and his children becomes heirs of God. Except here in this life, I don't get to get my inheritance or all of it. The Holy Spirit is part of this inheritance that I've got. He's like the down payment. I'm, I'm going to get the rest of it later. So when I get to heaven, I don't know what all I've got. But see, one of the things about this inheritance is that we have been given the right as his children to have rewards that are the results of our labor. But it's a right that God has given to all of his children that we can inherit the right to serve the Lord and get rewarded for it. So there's promises that God has made that I think is going to be excellent for us. And we'll love it. You can read some of these things later. But look at number two. The biblical perspective of inheritance. The rich young ruler asked for it. What must I do to inherit the kingdom of God or inherit eternal life? Because he asked that question, Matthew chapter 19. He wanted to know, what have I got to do? And he says, good master. 
And so Jesus says, why callest thou me good? There's none good but one, and that's God. So either if I am the good master, then I must be God, or I'm not good. See, either way. But he used it as opportunity. He says, uh, if thou will have eternal life, then all you've got to do is be perfect. Keep the law. Because he asked, what must I do? Well, just be perfect. Would take my place. Telling someone how to go to heaven is the greatest thing we can do in this life. To prepare you, Pastor Yankee Arnold is offering you his book, Gospel Driven Man, absolutely free. Gospel Driven Man explains in simple steps how to successfully share the gospel. To get your free copy of Gospel Driven Man, write to Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Or email Yankee Arnold at Yankee at YankeeArnold.com. That's Yankee at YankeeArnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at YankeeArnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.